Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. Sunnyside Air Conditioning. Uh, hi. Uh, my AC has quit. How may I help you? Yes. Can you fix my... For AC repair, press 1. Oh, for Pete's... Fine. To have your AC repaired next week, press 1. To have your AC repaired the week after that, press 2. Uh, are you f- kidding me? This would never happen with Frank Gay. Ah, but you didn't call Frank Gay. Well... Did you? But I... So, when are we going to do this? Next week or the week after? Come on, I haven't got all day. That's it. I'm calling Frank Gay. When you need AC repair, you need it now. A live operator waiting for your call. A licensed, trained technician standing by, ready to help today. And your AC fixed fast. That's the Frank Gay way. Well, if that's what you wanted, why didn't you call Frank Gay? That's the Frank Gay way. FrankGayServices.com. Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast. Dave Young alongside Stephen Semple. And there's a chance that this might just become a beer podcast. There you go. Uh, That'd be kind of fun. There's so many people <laughs> that have built beer empires, right? And, yes. and so when you when you told me that uh, we're gonna be talking about the king of beers. The king episode, of beers. I'm thinking, oh no, we've already done Sleemans. They're not the king of beers. <laughs> he didn't Colonel Pabst wasn't a king. <laughs> so obviously we're talking about Budweiser. That's right, is isn't that it? Right? I mean, isn't that That's the king right. of beers? That is the king of beers. Okay. Isn't it amazing you can sit there and say king of beers and everybody understands it's it's Budweiser. Right, and like, I don't know that amazing. they've said that. Have they said that out loud? Anytime yeah, they. Yeah, I, I believe they, they're not. I think it. it's been a while since they've done it. But I remember they used to do the King of Beer ads, and they would take the 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 cap, and they would remember turn it around and put oh, it on the yeah, top, yeah. so it looked like a little crown. Remember how yeah. brilliant those were? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I don't think I've seen a King of Beer ad for a while, but you know, in my heart, when I hear but King of Beers, yeah. I still think Budweiser. It's stuck. It's stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then it's Clydesdales, all kinds of things. Boy, they've been a powerhouse. I mean, if we're going to talk about an empire, let's let's find out how this one was built. Well, and if you think about it, the best-selling beer in the United States is Bud Light, and Budweiser is number three. So when you're number one and number three in a beer category in the U.S., that's big, man. And what we know is they sell huge amounts of beer, you know, around the world. You go anywhere in the world. They're there, so you know they're they're massive, and and Budweiser was introduced in 1876, and today there's you know 18,000 employees working for Budweiser, and in the 1800s beer was actually a really big deal. Wells, the water was often bad. People drank beer because it was fermented and boiled, and frankly. It was safer to drink beer than water, and not not so full of alcohol that it would it would just you know mess up your day. Right, if... right, yeah, absolutely. And and at the time, beer was served just a few miles from where it was made. It was very local. It, it didn't have good shelf life. Didn't travel far. And one of the biggest places 
for brewing was uh, St. Louis. St. Louis had an enormous number of breweries. In fact, at the time, there was a brewery, there was one brewery for every 600 people in St. Louis. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so it started off being owned by Ebhardt Anheuser, who had immigrated from Germany in 1857. And he owned several businesses, including a really successful soap maker. And, and in fact, the beer business for him was a sideline and it was really struggling. It was not actually mm. doing that great. Well, you think about it. How much competition did he have? A lot. A right? lot. Yeah. Right? So he had this beer business and it was kind of struggling. And basically, Ebhardt wanted to sort of unload this side hustle. And so he approached his son-in-law, Adolphus Bush, and he said, hey, I want you to, I want you to take this over. I want you to run this thing. Now, here's the funny thing is, Adolphus Bush didn't like beer. He knew nothing about beer and he didn't like beer. He didn't drink beer. And now he's taking over this brewery, which is kind of funny because people listening to the podcast will have heard ads for one of our clients, Mother's Brewery, who, right. you know, the founder's mom doesn't like beer. So that's kind of funny, right? So we've heard this story before. He was a business person. And the first thing he looked at is he said, St. Louis was a really important railway hub. So he wanted to explore how to make beer in St. Louis and sell it somewhere where there was less competition. So there's all this competition in St. Louis, but big railway opportunity. And, he, yeah. and he's looking at the West, which is opening up. And he says, boy, if I could ship beer to the West, he'd be the only game in town. And this mm -hmm. would be awesome. So he invented the refrigerated freight car. So they created and invented the refrigerated freight car using ice. And so he has to borrow money to pioneer this new refrigeration system. He also decides he wants to reformulate beer. He wants to change it to taste to something more American and also using more American product and American grains and corns and things, things like that than, so than, what, what than was European. It, before? it wasn't corns before, it tended to be other products, right? Okay. And, but he also sort of felt like to him it didn't taste, he wanted to make something American. Okay. Right? So he brought in Carl Conrad, who wanted to make a version of beer called lager. So lager hadn't been being made in America. But instead of creating a European lager, he decided to put an American spin on it. Because basically all the Europeans were restricted by, you know, the Bavarian Brewing Act. Like they all oh, okay. worked on that act. And he decided, screw that, this is America, we don't have to be governed by that We don't act. have that, we don't have those rules. Yeah. We don't have that rule, so we wanted to use American ingredients. And he came up with an American twist on a beer recipe he found in Budweiss Czechoslovakia. There we go. There we go, the origin of the name, Budweiss Czechoslovakia, so they named the beer Budweiser. So in 1876, a bud is born. A bud, just a little bud. Just a little bud. And they started shipping it far and wide and they were the first to ship refrigerated ale and sales surged and then they fell. And he was like, what the heck? Why did they fall? And at the time, beer was sold out of a barrel. 
So they would barrel the beer, they would ship it. And what they found is it was being watered down. We're talking literally a wooden barrel. Literally a wooden barrel like you would ship a whiskey. That was how they were shipping the beer. And what was happening is the bars would water it down or they would Mm. partially, or they would fill the beers with these other cheaper beers. Mm. So there was no way to ensure quality control. And this really bothered them because he's like, we're making this American beer and it's this new taste and it's different and it's all these other things and we we really need to control this. So he decides he's going to bottle beer. Had never been done before. In fact, bottling of liquids had not been done. And there would be a label and there would be a cap, but it was going to be a big investment because it was a novel idea because basically they were going to have to figure out how to pasteurize things. And he had been reading Louis Pasteur's work. But what he also realized is if we pasteurize this and we bottled it and we capped it, it would make the beer even further shelf stable so they could ship it even further. So they could ship it further and control the quality and control the branding. And do you even need to refrigerate it if you're shipping it in a bottle? I believe it still needed to be refrigerated, yeah, okay. but but not to the same degree. And so they built the bottling facility. They built a bottling facility. That's you know no what? Small actually, feet and, and... actually, when you think about it, no, you wouldn't have to refrigerate it when you bottle it. That's right. No, you wouldn't need to. I mean, there there are some like I think Coors, you know, one of their big things. I don't know if it still is, but it was refrigerated all the way from the factory to the store. I don't know if that's. It's not a big issue to this. The fact that he built a bottling factory. Yeah, and it was the first mass-produced bottled drink of any kind in the world. Mm. And this became so successful that Adolphus Busch was made partner, and that's now how it became Anheuser-Busch Brewing Company. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. There you are, Tommy. Got a second? Sure, Brian. What's up? I want to start advertising, but I'm not sure if TV or radio is better. Hmm, what about magazines, billboards, social media, direct mail? Oh, great. More choices. Thanks for your help. I know. It's frustrating. That's why I met with Stephen Semple. Stephen who? Stephen Semple, the guy with the podcast about business success. A podcast guy? Really, Tommy? That's crazy. Nope. It was awesome. He talked to me for 90 minutes about my business and gave me advice that I could use right away. Yeah? How much did that set you back? Nothing. Zip. Totally free. Some business guy gave you 90 minutes of his time and advice for free? That's crazy. He can help you too, Brian. (laughs) If he can help narrow the choices I'm in. Just sign up for a starter session. Go to theempirebuilderspodcast.com. Theempirebuilderspodcast.com? Yep. Just type in theempirebuilderspodcast.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. So the thing I found really interesting about this, so first of all, again, how often do we see this? It's somebody from outside. This guy was not a beer drinker. Didn't like beer, didn't drink beer, was handed this thing. And then he looks around and he goes, wow, wow, there's just way too much competition in this market. Where can I go? Yeah. But... Like we always, Dave, you always like talking about what's the unleveraged asset. But he, he looked at it. The unleveraged asset was Railway Hub. Yeah. So he figured out 
how to leverage that strategic asset and create the ability to ship, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, ran into another problem and overcame it with bottling. But I also like the whole thing that even though he wasn't a beer drinker, he wanted to create an American beer. Yeah. And and so I, I think the other thing here is is that imagine if he was a beer drinker and a beer aficionado, his focus probably would have just stayed on having a better beer than the other 600 people in St. Louis, other 600 breweries in St. Louis, right? I've got to beat them at their own game. And he's like, I think I'll just keep making beer and, and I'll sell it somewhere where there aren't 600 brewers. And so he had the mind of a problem solver, not a brewer. That's a really interesting observation because we see this so often where people will come into something and because of their knowledge in the industry, they get trapped in that place. Yeah, whether, whether you're a jeweler, uh, anything else, if, if you're focused, if you've got blinders on and all you can see are your competitors and doing better than them, you're, you're not going to see opportunities the way Bush saw them. Right. Yeah. You're, you're going to, you're going to look at things through a, a completely different lens. And so to have that outsider's viewpoint, I'm not a beer drinker, but I'm going to figure out how to sell a lot of beer. I'm going to make a beer that, that I think Americans are going to like and be able to call their own. And now you can leverage the hell out of that. Well, and I think also not being a brewer uh, made it easier for him to abandon the Bavarian Brewing Act right? Mm -hmm. That everybody was so married to saying, no, I don't need to do that because the Bavarian Brewing Act was a stamp that said, this is really high quality. And he went, yeah, but it also says you got to use these ingredients. We can still make something high quality and use, use different ingredients and make it, make it our own. I think him not being a brewer made that easier because he wasn't married to that. Well, how many Americans care about the Bavarian Brewing Act? It's kind of one of these funny ones that keeps coming back and forth because then when the craft brewers, you know, fast forward 100 years and craft brewing starts coming and it's one of the things that they hang their hat on. It's, it's been, it's a really, that yeah. act on its own is an interesting yeah. history. But you're right. He looked at this not as a brewer. He looked at this as a business person. And he said, I'm in this market. I've got massive competition. Others would solve it by saying, I'll make a better product. And he looked at it and said, well, maybe I should go somewhere. Can I go somewhere where there's less competition and can I leverage what's around me, which was the railway system? Well, and, and he solved another problem that when, when the bartenders that receive these barrels start selling it, they're watering it down. This is the same problem that plagued the whiskey industry. Yep. Right? They'd send a barrel out on a wagon to the Old West and the bartenders would just water it down and color it with different things and add all kinds of weirdness to it like they would add acid to you know give it a little bite <laughs> but right. but I think I think what Bush did was he he also had to have looked at some other growing industries in the US that also solved a little bit of that problem so packaged goods right what What's being shipped that is is in a form that you don't want somebody to mess with, right? So that's that you create packaged goods and you sell things instead of selling things in bulk where people are scooping it out of a barrel or 
you know, you're talking about a commodity. So he decommoditized beer. Yes, so he did. It, 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 you you have to sell it in a in a package size that a consumer wants to buy and can afford to buy. Nobody yeah. can afford to buy a barrel of beer. Right, but, but they can afford to buy a of bottle of beer. And then also, you know, extended the branding because now the label is in the customer's hands and, and all those other things. So very, very innovative. And, and, you know, when you come across somebody who creates the first mass-produced, you know, bottling of a liquid, that's pretty bold. Man, I mean, that's, that's thinking big. We're going to do this thing that no one has ever done before. I look at any, any manufacturing plant that's making things like bottles and then filling them. Like I, I'm always amazed because whoever designed and built that just thinks bigger thoughts than me. And it's like, I don't, I don't know how you do it, right? <laughs> but I'm amazed. I, lo- I, I, I watch videos all the time of um, industrial processes and, 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 and things like that because the stuff just amazes me. So you're a big fan of how, how I made this? I, always, I, I think I've watched every one of those. <laughs> yeah. So now we know Dave's secret pleasure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love the example of someone that thinks bigger thoughts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and Bush, oh, I put it in a barrel and I put it in a train car that had ice in it and it got to the bar in great shape and the goddamn bartender <laughs> watered it down probably took his name off of it you know and so you Who have to control did. it yeah 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 but that's but this is what he figured out and this is what he did and became the king of beers and i'd say based on everything you've told me deserved to become the king of beers yeah it's a pretty amazing story and in part two we'll find out how he got it into every bowling alley in the world <laughs> <laughs> What a great story. Thank you for sharing that one, Stephen. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at the empirebuilderspodcast.com.